Good morning. Welcome to worship. Before we get started with our service, we'll go through a few announcements, which you can find on the back of your bulletin. And the first is that we're having a congregational meeting for the communing and uh, for the members of this church to meet right after this worship service uh, to elect a pulpit committee. Um, if you're not a member of this church, you're welcome to stay and observe. Uh, but we'll have a five-minute break after the worship service uh, for restrooms and for you to get your kids from the nursery uh, so that those who are serving in the nursery can also come and be a part of the congregational meeting. Secondly, the session met on Sunday and we welcomed Macy Jane, Mary Mac, Russell, and Tallulah into membership of our church. We're so grateful that they can be a part of this church. And if you see them, uh, be sure to say welcome. We're glad you're part of this church body. And um, yeah, welcome them in. Lastly, Rally Day is happening this coming Sunday, August 28th. And it's going to be different than we've done it in years past. We're going to have a lunch right after the service. And thankfully, uh, Kelly is going to be cooking that lunch for us, so you don't need to bring anything. We're going to have a lunch together, a brief presentation, and then there's going to be a lot of activities for our younger people to take part in as well, um, very similar to what we have done uh, for a few of the weeks during the summer, which is uh, have your outdoor gear ready for your kids, to, for them to get wet and things like that. Okay, and lastly, just a heads up, Life Night is going to be beginning the middle of September, September 14th. So if you're looking forward to that, you're wondering about that, just keep that in mind. We'll announce more details about that as we get closer to the date. Jesus Christ welcomes us here. He brings us into worship and gives us his spirit in order to honor him and glorify him. So let's take a few moments as the music plays to uh, quiet our hearts and our minds in preparation for worship.
Good morning. I know everyone is excited for the day. I'm excited because bookending the congregational meeting, we have two worship services today. That's great. <coughs> invite you back this evening. Our call to worship is found from the book of Isaiah, uh, verses 10 and 11. If you would stand for the call to worship and remain standing through the confession of our faith. Here's God's word to us as a call to worship. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Amen. May our praise spring forth during this worship time. There was a change in the bulletin so that we didn't sing the same tune twice. We're going to open the service, the worship service, with hymn number 122. Hymn number 122, God, all nature, sings thy glory. If you'll sing with me all four verses. 122. Let's pray. 
God of glory, power, and mercy, all creation praises thee. We, thy creatures, would adore thee now and through eternity. Our great God and Father, we gather here this morning because Jesus, your Son, eternal from the Father, has paid the penalty that we owed for our sin. Because of your righteousness, your blood, we are able to enter the throne room of the King. Because of your Holy Spirit now helps us in our prayers, guides us in our walk, we can worship the triune God and reflect back to you the thankfulness we bring for that sovereign work accomplished for your children. We ask that you accept our worship, accept our praise, accept our prayers, even as we pray together the model prayer set out for us from your word. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. If you would remain standing, we'll move to our confession of faith, which is based on a question from Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, which says, the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. And Christian, I would ask you, what does the seventh commandment teach us? That our unchastity is cursed by God. We must therefore detest it from the heart and live chaste and disciplined lives both within and outside of holy marriage. Does God in this commandment forbid nothing more than adultery and similar shameful sins? Since we, body and soul, are temples of the Holy Spirit, it is God's will that we keep ourselves pure and holy. Therefore, he forbids all unchaste acts, gestures, words, thoughts, desires, and whatever may entice us to unchastity. Thank you. You may be seated. For our time of prayer, we'll reflect on the confession which we just spoke. And I'd like to go into this time of congregational prayer, and then uh, we'll continue with our service So would you please join me in prayer? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in your name, we come into your presence this morning to worship you. God, you are holy, wonderful, and wise, and because of you we exist. And one day every person will bow before you in awe and in worship. God, we were made to live in the midst of your glory and your glorious creation And Lord, in your law, you wisely and graciously instructed us that adultery is sin. Lord Jesus, you shared with us what we all knew in practice, that even lusting after another person in our heart was a sin against that person and you. God, we confess we are an adulterous people. We're prone to leave you and follow after whatever our heart desires, whether it be sexual sin or otherwise. Forgive us, Lord, of our sinful acts, words, thoughts, desires. Help us to flee from temptation in order to live in ways that honor both you and our neighbor. 
God, we are all sexually broken because sin hasn't left any of us unchanged in this area. We all struggle in different ways. So would you cause us to be a church of great encouragement, of support, of prayer, and not one of shame or scorn or fear? Holy Spirit, you have washed us, you renewed us, and you lead us in the path of life. Thank you for the fresh start we have today to honor you in thought, word, and deed. God, give this church great patience, humility, and charity as we move into the congregational meeting later today. God, the church is one body with many parts, as you've told us. And we're thankful that Macy Jane, Mary Mac, Russell, and Tallulah have confessed their faith in you and are committed to supporting the people and work of your church. And so we pray that you would help us support them and grow, and that you would grow in them gifts to bless this church. Lord, as the school season has begun, we pray you would continue to bless and uphold the teachers and the students this school year. God, our young people have, each have unique challenges and struggles, whether it be at Grace or Winston or homeschool or public school or trade school or college. Uh, in whatever context they find themselves, would you help them, God? Lord, would you hear our prayers and answer them? Would you lead us as we move forward in this worship service so that we can know you better? so that we can understand the gospel more clearly, that we would understand your love for us better in order to love others well. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this time to pray. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Please pray with me. Lord, take these tithes and offerings and bless your church. Bless the world through them. God, do more than we can ever ask or imagine uh, through just the small amount that we're able to give. Um, Lord, would you bless this church uh, through the rest of this worship service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll continue standing and sing hymn number 141, verses 1 and 5 of hymn 141, God and the Gospel of His Son. Let's continue worshiping together. good to be with you again this morning. I understand uh, when you go to a wedding, sometimes you're, you're looking forward for the service to get over with so you can get to the reception. Some of you might be more looking forward to what happens after this, but uh, I ask that you would bear with me as we open God's Word and hear the good news this morning. If you would turn to Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 9 is where we'll be. Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 9. As you turn there, we started a series in Mark, and we're learning as we go through Mark, and we just started it last week, uh, that the gospel in Mark isn't just one thing. For some of us, the simple definition of the gospel is that God saves sinners. We repent of our sin, and we believe in Jesus, and we will be saved. That's That's a a good definition, and it's a glorious truth, and God has more for us in the gospel. The gospel is good news about God. It's good news from God. The gospel is good news in the form of Jesus Christ himself, and the gospel is the good news of what Jesus has done on our behalf. So you can say the gospel, uh, Jesus preached the good news, and Jesus was the good news. So let's look at our passage, and then I'll pray for us. This is God's Word, Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water... Immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. 
And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me for a moment of prayer. God, would you, in this brief moment, open our ears and our hearts to receive this good news. Would you cause us to believe and repent and follow you and learn what it is to live in your kingdom? I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Mark is beginning to give us a grand picture of the identity of the Messiah, just who the Messiah is, and the magnitude of the good news, which is the gospel, and what every person must do in response when they hear this good news. We're going to look at three things. Just move through the passage with three parts. We're going to look at the baptism, the trials, and then the kingdom of God. The baptism, the trials, and the kingdom of God. And the main point I want us to see is this, is that Jesus leads us into God's kingdom way of life. Jesus leads us into God's kingdom way of life. Uh, This time of year is great for many reasons, and for a lot of us, it's great because football is back Um, I know the opinions on football are mixed, but for me personally, I really enjoy football. Uh, I'm also an NFL fan, which I know is not big in the South, but uh, it's it's part of me. Um, God has blessed this world with with sports, and football is one of my favorites, as I've said. And every year, if you follow the NFL or even in college football, You'll know that the NFL has training camps each year for the teams to practice and to get better and to, to bring in their new players. And every year when the training camps start, you start to hear stories about coaches who are winning over the trust of their players in unique and profound ways. And there is a show even called Hard Knocks, which follows one team each year throughout all of training camp, and it just gives you kind of a documentary look at what these teams do and how they're coming together. And this year, the the Detroit Lions are the team that are being followed, and they have a head coach named Dan Campbell. I don't know anything about him other than what I've learned in this show. And in In the first episode of the show, Dan Campbell, the head coach of the Lions, is shown doing up-downs with his players for two minutes straight. And if you've watched TV, you know if you're watching something for two minutes, it's a long time to be watching someone do up-downs. And up-downs are where you go to the ground, you do a push-up, and then you jump up, you stand straight, and then you jump back down to the ground, you do another push-up, and then you repeat that for a long time. And in this case, they were doing 40 up-downs, and... The coach is doing up-downs alongside the most physically fit people in the world, and he is keeping up with his players. He's breathing hard. 
but he's able to do it. And the coach knows that entering into the suffering and the punishment of practice alongside his team will help win their trust. It will help win their affection. He's 46 years old, which is 20 years older than most of his players. And he even had a sprained wrist from falling over one of his pets a week earlier. And so when the players see that, when they see their coach participating alongside them, they buy in. They want to try harder for their coach. They want to succeed for their coach because they know he has their back. And on top of that, the players know that this coach in particular was a former NFL player who had been through everything that they're going through and everything that they're about to go through as players. And they start trusting him more and more. What we see in this passage is similar, but to a much greater extent. The NFL coach is paid a lot of money to win the trust of his players. Jesus gives everything up because he loves his people. The triune God of the universe loves the people he's created, and he wants to restore his relationship with them. And so he sends the Son, and the Holy Spirit empowers him, and the Father blesses this ministry. Jesus, in this passage, in his baptism and in his temptation, represents sinful humanity while also being set apart for their salvation. Jesus leads the way. He leads by example. Like the football coach, Jesus enters into our experience of humanity with us. He experiences the same problems and heartache, the same suffering and temptations because he loves us, because he wants us to experience the kingdom of God. In verses 9 to 11, let's look at the baptism of Jesus. The baptism, according to all of the Gospels in the New Testament, is an extremely significant event, not an event that you just read and skip over and not think about. This event is the commencement, the start of Jesus' official ministry on earth. His ministry. Until this point, it was widely believed that God's Spirit was inactive. So after the last prophet in the Old Testament stopped speaking by God's Spirit, there was quite a long time before God's Spirit had been active. And God, people were waiting for God to speak again. There was a time of waiting. Isaiah 64 says, Oh, that you would rip apart the heavens, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. There was a hope, there was a hope and expectation that this supernatural act would come, that God would rip open the heavens and send his spirit again, send his holy one, his Messiah, his anointed one. God says in this event, listen to this 
person. Listen to my son. He is the one you've been waiting for. Mark draws from Psalm 2, which we have heard recently, and that says, The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Jesus, as many scholars will say in this event, he is inaugurating or bringing in, starting the last day, or the day of the Lord, as the Bible refers to it. Jesus is bringing in the kingdom of God. He is inaugurating the last days. And according to the New Testament, the day of the Lord began when Jesus came and will last until he comes again. And so you've heard this term before, perhaps, where we are in the already of Christ's coming, and the inbreaking of the kingdom, and the not yet of the full fulfillment of God's kingdom in the new heavens and the new earth. And this is good news. Jesus is God's beloved, eternal Son, who God sent to bring incredible news to the world. No one else in the Bible has had this type of experience. This isn't something that happens a lot. In fact, this is the unique experience that we read, the most unique. The full Godhead, the triune God, is at work in planning, in redeeming, and sanctifying, and rescuing a sinful people. Jesus was being declared to the world that he was the Son of God, with the same power and authority as the Father. Again, it's a confession that Jesus is in fact God, that he has the same authority and power as his Father to forgive sin, to heal the sick, to teach with authority, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. These are things that God does. And Isaiah said, Jesus is the true servant of the Lord, and he would suffer for his people by the power of the Spirit, through the authority of the Father. Which leads us to the next part, the trials, in verses 12 to 13. We read in our passage, immediately, the Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness. And again, Mark is writing in such a way that it's so succinct that you think, if you read it quickly... It's not that important, but Mark is writing in such a way that he is packing so much in to so few words that it really is impressive, and he again is causing us to ask questions, to wonder what is significant about this event. Jesus being Israel's Messiah would suffer and be found faithful where his people failed, in the wilderness. In a real way, Jesus would endure the same trials and rely on the same God as his people. Jesus' obedience in the wilderness, in temptation, would be made our obedience. Now, as I was researching this passage, um, and I was reading about uh, one commentator who was saying that if the timing of the gospel of Mark is what we believe it to be, then the first people who were receiving the gospel of Mark and and hearing it and listening to it, they were hearing it 
at a time in which Nero was persecuting Christians in Rome, when, when Christians were being killed and tortured and imprisoned in Rome under Nero. So when Jesus was in the wilderness, tempted 40 days by the devil, and then we read that odd passage that says he was with the wild animals, we're thinking, that's interesting. Um, the angels were ministering him the entire time. During Nero's reign, Christians were being locked in arenas and told to wear animal skins, and then they were being killed by wild beasts, wild animals, torn apart. So Mark's message is, just, is that just as God ministered to Jesus in the wilderness, in these times of temptation and suffering, and in the presence of wild beasts, he would be with his people in Rome, undergoing similar trials and temptations and suffering for their allegiance to Christ. So in other words, if God didn't abandon Jesus, he will not abandon you. Jesus came to represent humanity in every way. He earned our trust. He was faithful where we were not, and he has done all of it for the good of God's people and God's glory. He gave his life. He lost his life for the sake of others and gained even more. And that's what I think is great about this passage. It's, it's all of that and more. Jesus then says, hear the good news. Hear the good news. And what does he say? Look at verse 14 with me. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as Mark will do throughout his gospel, he wants to grab the attention of the close listener or the close reader because John was arrested and we're just supposed to Accept that, I guess. Why was John arrested? What happened? John, I'm sorry, Mark, is giving a moment to uh, foreshadow what would happen to Jesus. If John was arrested for his ministry, surely that's what will happen to Jesus. There is a foreboding. There is a uh, humility needed to understand the mission ahead for Christ will be no less difficult than it was for John. Jesus comes into Galilee with his forebearer in the place that he will eventually be, prison, and then eventually killed, proclaiming the good news from God. And Jesus says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. The good news from Jesus is that the time is fulfilled. The day of redemption for God's people and his Messiah is here. The dawn of a new way of life is here. Repent, he says. Repent means to turn away, to physically turn from something and to follow after something new. Turn from your sin, turn from the world, and come into God's kingdom. The kingdom way of life. God's kingdom itself is good news. God's kingdom is the gospel. 
You probably haven't heard many people tell you that the gospel is simply the kingdom of God. In Mark, the kingdom of God is is less emphasized as a king ruling his people and more so a way of life, a kingdom way of life. So Jesus is telling us about this new way of life in God's kingdom. It's an atmosphere of love. It's a world of grace and forgiveness and selflessness. The kingdom of God is the life which God enables his people to live by his spirit, which at times can be seen as very odd in the society we live in in our country today. So as we look at this passage and end, I want to give you two applications. The first is that Jesus has led the way. Follow him. And the second is live the kingdom way of life. So let's look at how Jesus has led the way and how we're to follow him. Jesus leads the way from the very beginning of his ministry in self-sacrificial love so that you can trust him and walk with him in your own life. Everything you are going through, every trial, every temptation, every wilderness experience where it felt like God wasn't with you or God was absent, Jesus has been through that and now walks with you in it. Whether you're thrown to wild beasts for believing in Jesus someday or you lose your friends or a friend because you want to follow God's call in your life as opposed to the way of the world. Whatever might come, Jesus knows your struggles. He is with you and he will help you. Jesus is inviting you to live and to experience the kingdom of God, to hear the good news of God's kingdom, and to live in it. As I said, the kingdom of God is the world of self-sacrificial love, a world where you must lose your life to gain it. Jesus will tell us, uh, as we go through the Gospel of Mark, more and more about the kingdom of God and what it looks like. But we know that it's a world where you and I are not at the center. Not everything revolves around us. It's a world that's about lifting others up and pouring into others instead of simply focusing on ourselves. It's a kingdom where you walk with others in their suffering because your God and King and Savior walks with you and your suffering. God's kingdom is a place in which the spiritual rule of God leads to joy in the midst of pain, joy in the midst of suffering, in the midst of political turmoil and uncertainty, joy and peace. The good news is that God's kingdom is here and it's spreading and it's growing and we can't do anything to stop that. The kingdom of God has broken into this sinful and messed up world and it's not going to be giving an inch back to the devil. So Jesus says, repent and believe. Come into God's kingdom. 
Believe again that Jesus loves you, that he forgives your sin, and that he has a way of life that is beautiful and wonderful. Jesus will tell us to lay aside our power and our influence for the sake of others. He will say to use your power and influence to lift up those without power and influence. And as we think about this congregational meeting today, we can get pretty practical with it. There's been a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry about this upcoming meeting for various reasons. But if what God says is true... And God's kingdom is here, which I firmly believe it is, then you've been invited into it by Jesus Christ himself. When you trust him, you're brought into the kingdom way of life by Christ's own blood, which means that congregational meetings, the things we do as a church, are a privilege, they are a blessing that God has brought us into his kingdom work. Jesus is building his church, and his kingdom will grow until he returns. There's nothing you or I can do to stop it, and that's really good news, because we are very good at messing things up as sinners. The church is in Christ's hands. So as a congregation, go into this meeting as kingdom people, as Christ led with humility and the peace that comes from trust in his own Father, move into this time with humility and peace as well. Jesus is with you. He loves you. He loves his church. And whether it be in a congregational meeting, a pulpit committee, whether it be in your workplace or at school or a classroom, or on a sports team, Jesus calls us into a, a kingdom way of living, to lift up the weak, to walk with people who are hurting, to show empathy and understanding to our enemies, and live as people who are part of God's kingdom. This is the kingdom way of God, which was bought by Christ, given through the Holy Spirit. God's kingdom is at hand today. Repent and believe. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this invitation. God, we are sinful people, and we are prone to turn away from you, prone to focus on ourselves and what we can get for ourselves in this world. God, you call us to a completely opposite way of living, because you have given up all things, you, Jesus, have given up your place with the Father and came to earth and took on flesh to die for us. And you have set that example for us. So God, would you cause us to be kingdom people who lay aside our own desires for the sake of others, who walk with and support and love those who are suffering around us. Lord, cause us to pray and to encourage those uh, that we live with and live around, that we come into contact with this week. God, if people are here who have not heard your invitation to repent and believe the good news of your kingdom and of your Son, would you cause them to believe this morning and bring them in? 
Make them part of what you're doing in this world. God, we thank you for this time to open up your word. We pray uh, that you would continue to bless us as we move forward uh, in this worship service and into the congregational meeting afterward. We love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand in response to God's word, his grace, in response to his message to us. Uh, We'll stand and sing hymn number 353, and we'll sing verses 1, 5, and 6. Let's stand and sing hymn 353. Go with God's blessing, and again, if you're going to be a part of the congregational meeting, we'll take five minutes after the service is over to do restrooms and get your kids from the nursery, and then we'll convene again for the congregational meeting. Go with God's blessing from Second John. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. Amen.